We have been living in a series that I've called Kingdom Life Now. And I've shared a little bit about how my sermon series come to be in prayer and how I know way ahead of time. But I am not the sharpest tool in the shed sometimes. So I, I knew what the third week of this series would be. But what I didn't know is when it would be. I never connected the dots. But the Lord connects all the dots. So this morning, our message is on suffering. Rather fitting as we remember, right? But it's our suffering and suffering for the kingdom's sake. So the big idea of this series has been that to live in God's kingdom here and now is to welcome the rule and reign of Jesus into every area of our life. Over the past couple of weeks, you've heard that we are saved from death for life. We are saved from shame for glory. We are saved from slavery for freedom. We are saved from sin for King Jesus. We are saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. Jesus loved instead of hated. He gave instead of took. He served instead of expecting to be served. He forgave instead of seeking revenge. He blessed instead of condemned. This is an opposite kingdom than the one we find ourselves in today. And you and I display our love for Jesus when we trust in his promises above all else. That's how it works. And then the painful truth is that not everybody goes to heaven. Following Jesus to the cross is the only way to be with him in heaven. We are not universalists, my friends. And this is the painful truth of the kingdom of God. That if you do not submit and love Jesus today, then you will not be with him for eternity. And I know that that's offensive, and I want to stop there for a minute and say that if you have no desire to be with Jesus today, if his glory and majesty does not appeal to you today, why on earth do you think it will appeal to you for all of eternity? See, this God that we serve is a gentleman, and he will never force himself on us. He invites us into relationship, and he invites us into relationship now to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness. And he will remain a gentleman when you stand before him as king and judge. Because if you've spent your life rejecting him, he will not force you to have him for all of eternity. He gives us what we choose. And that is a tough reality to accept. See, in order to live in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, you have to be rescued. You have to be transferred in. See, the cross, the cross was where it was all defeated. And when we come to faith in Jesus as our king, as our Lord, as our savior, when we understand that the enemy was defeated and sin was paid for on the cross, we come to this place in relationship with God where we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness that we are born into in this life on this earth, and we are transferred into the kingdom we were created for. Because we were all created for a person and a place. The kingdom, living in the kingdom of God requires us to live in the opposite spirit. We do not get to serve the God of self in this life. 
It doesn't matter how bad it's been. We are called to love and not hate. We are called to serve and not be served. We are called to die to ourselves, to our own agenda, to our old thinking. And it's hard stuff. We are called to suffer. Now, we don't like that at all. This is perhaps one of the most uncomfortable callings. I want to share a story. I find this incredibly inspirational and incredibly challenging. And one of the more challenging parts is as I look out over our congregation, some of you weren't even born in 1983. The rest of you are thinking, 1983, that was like yesterday, wasn't it? It was a long time ago for some. So 1983, the church in China was going through dramatic changes. These saints that shall remain unnamed were uncertain of a future. So Mao's dynasty was no longer in charge, and slowly China was willing to shake the shackles of isolationism and take the first steps into opening up. One winter night, the believers in a small rural village came together to pray. Thirteen members of their church had been executed, 1983. Okay? Thirteen members of their church had been executed. What's the crime? They refused to deny the name of Jesus. The believers prayed, but the next day, they were tasked to find graves for those 13 young men and women. The sorrow of their brothers and sisters and their families' loss was heavy. And one brother led them in a song of praise. I'm unsure of tomorrow's destiny, though I live for the Lord each day. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because... I trust in his promise. The one thing I know is that I'm going to walk with the Lord. There are still a lot of matters I cannot comprehend for now, but I don't mind because I know the one who is in control always takes my hand. The church members in their grieving were not only left with the task of finding graves for their fellow believers, but they also had to find the money to pay for the ammunition that was used to execute them. See, the law in China during that time was that friends and relatives were responsible for the financial burden to the state that criminals incurred. And in 1983, the cost of a single round of ammunition used for execution was 14 RMB. This small amount of money was not easy to come by. For many believers in 1983, Sister D stood up and declared, We owe too much. We can no longer stand here and merely watch our brothers and sisters die. We owe too much to the Lord. We only have a limited amount of time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we are going to die, do not let us die in waiting and grieving. Let us die on the mission field, sharing the good news with as many people as we can until we take our last breath. This fiery speech led to the formation of the Dare to Die team. Immediately, church members began to volunteer to join the team. They took an oath before the church that said that they were willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in as many places as possible before they were caught and executed. The volunteers were put into teams of two and immediately sent out to the provinces throughout China. Two people teams traveled as far as they could with no money and no food. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ with zeal and vigor, knowing that their time was short. They planted the seeds of the gospel everywhere they went, and churches were started and they began to grow. In 1985, Two years after fiercely preaching the gospel in as many different regions 
of China, the Dare to Die team, had seen thousands of new souls come to the Lord. Though they were ready to be executed at any given time, none of them were. The churches that they planted are still thriving today, and they're sending out their own missionaries. The Dare to Die team. Suffering as a Christian is not a popular topic. It's probably not one you sit around your dinner table talking about. It's probably not one you embrace easily. Why is that? I think it's because here in the West especially, we have such a comfortable life. And we are so happy to be comfortable. We are so happy to have our needs taken care of. So why should we suffer when the whole point is to live life of ease? Why suffer? Why wait for anything when you can have it instantaneously? We get cross if we wait four minutes in the Tim Hortons drive through We don't even think we should suffer for our coffee. George Barna says that two out of every five evangelical Christians deny the possibility that pain and suffering can lead to becoming more mature as a believer. So two out of five evangelical believers say that that suffering has no merit. So we know in our head that that's wrong, right? How many of you are really willing to suffer? Are you really willing for this faith, for this relationship with Jesus to cost you? Acts 22, we're going to go through a whole bunch of scripture. Acts actually 14, verse 22. It says that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings and become like him in his death. But do you really? We say it, but four minutes in a drive-thru is an awful steep price to pay. Would we be here if there was a chance that soldiers could come in? To share your faith with your unbelieving friends? Or do you choose to just live it out quietly because you don't want to offend? I mean, we say we don't want to offend, but really, we don't want to be unliked. We don't want the label. So we say nothing. Because we would rather not suffer and be disliked. 2 Timothy 3.12 Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death of Jesus, for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So that's just a few scriptures that speak to the cost. And yet many of us have not paid anything truly for our faith. See, we, we try to pretend we have no weaknesses. 
And yet God wants us to remember them and feel them deeply. Christians want to conquer weakness and be freed from it. God wants us to rest and rejoice in it. Christians mourn over their weakness, yet Jesus teaches his servants to say, I take pleasure in my infirmities. Most gladly will I glorify him in my infirmity. Christians think weakness is the greatest hindrance in their life in the service of God. Yet God tells us that our weakness, that our suffering is the secret to our strength and success. In our weakness, it is in our weakness that we can accept and continually realize that where our strength comes from is truly Jesus. Paul says in Corinthians, although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. Suffering in and for the kingdom of God is not an exercise in cruelty, and it's certainly not an exercise in futility. 1 Peter chapter 4, you know this. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. I want to go back to that for just one minute. This is the NLT. I think many of us, many of us, are probably not totally at risk of murder, stealing, or making trouble. But this last one, prying into other people's affairs. You know who you are. And when it gets you in trouble, you're not being persecuted for the kingdom's sake. There are consequences to your bad choice. So don't say you're suffering for Jesus because somebody caught you gossiping. Verse 16, but there is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. All right. We bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker, that somehow our life should be easier because we know the Lord. I don't know what your testimony is. I don't know your story. But the day Jesus came into my life, well, I became a new person, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. My life got harder. My life got so much harder because he was my king. Because, see, I lived in a world where people didn't like him. And I became guilty by association. Now I have this title of pastor, and I don't know if you know this, but the world's not super keen on the church these days. I don't know if you've heard, but like there's been like clergy abuse. There's been sexual abuse by people who hold the same title as me. There has been abuse of power by people who hold the same position I have. And if you're here with me and you hold this title too, you know that we go to places where we are seen as guilty by association. We have bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker, that your life should be easy. 
that if you want it, you should have it. We, we tend to make bad, sinful choices, although sort of like behind the scenes, like it's not the upfront sinning that us lovely church people tend to do. It's like it's the gossiping and couching it as a prayer request. You will hear this. This is the biggest pet peeve of mine. Gossiping as prayer requests. Well, I just, you should know so you pray. I can pray for you by name without knowing your stuff. And then we get caught. Or we've misbehaved poorly. Can you misbehave poorly? That's like a double portion of misbehaving. And you get called out on it. And then you're like, see, they're just mean to me because I love Jesus. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about suffering for the things that we do that we shouldn't do to begin with. Those are called consequences to your actions. So we need to get pretty real here and accept the fact that we are not victims. But that Jesus said, in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. He said, they will hate you because they hate me. He said this was going to be tough. He said it was going to be hard. But he said not to worry because we would receive power to be his witnesses when the Spirit came. So if you're feeling like maybe you're missing something in your walk with the Lord, that there's just something that's not quite right, it might be your relationship with suffering. It just might be that you don't understand what it means to suffer for the kingdom of God. See, suffering comes in many forms. It's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. And suffering in the world's eyes is a form of weakness. And you all know that weakness is to be avoided at all costs according to this world. Weakness should be covered up. It cannot be, it has to be avoided at all costs. But the Bible has this much different view, a different perspective on what it means to suffer. Of what it means to live in the opposite. See, here's the gift. God's power always shows up in weakness. Jesus yielded his suffering to the Father in order to receive power. In our weakness and in our suffering... When we yield it to Jesus, we have the opportunity and the privilege of living in the power of God. Suffering equips us for ministry. 2 Corinthians 1 forces this. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from the Lord himself. See, the worst things you can experience in this life can be the greatest gifts to you in ministry. My, my faith was born in a horrible circumstance in my life. My faith was birthed when I was 17 and I lost my dad. The irony is, is that I hated God for it. I detested him. I cursed him. Everything within me hated this one who had knit me together and created me, and I could not stand him. And yet, he stepped right into the darkest days of my life. 
not, not afraid of the wrath I had for him. Not afraid of an angry young heart. But he was able to love me in a way that transformed me. In spite of how I felt about him. And the worst moment of my life has been the greatest gift in my ministry. I have this amazing privilege of being with people on the worst days of their life. Of being there when they've just got a horrific diagnosis. Of being there in a moment of tragedy. Being there when someone that they love has died. And I need you to hear that the worst thing in my life, the greatest suffering I have known has been transformed by the Lord. Because in the darkest of moments, I know he's there. Because what he's done for me, he will do again. Suffering equips us for ministry. Being rejected by the people we love because we are associated to our king helps us identify with Jesus who said, listen, they hated me first. He bore all of that, including our own contempt. Revelation 12, 11 says they triumphed over him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Suffering binds us in community. Each summer, prior to COVID, we have snuck away to an island that we love in the East Coast, but I'm not going to tell you where that is because too many people come to our island. I have heard that Newfoundland is wonderful and beautiful and amazing, and you should go there. My island's really small. It's not beautiful at all. It's not a time of relax. Like, you just, just go to Newfoundland. It's amazing. So we, we go to PEI every summer when the Lord gives us privilege. And we, we go to a church in Charlottetown. Pentecostal Church in Charlottetown, and a number of years ago, we went in on perhaps the worst day of their life as a community. They had had a young person who had gone to New Brunswick was killed in a car accident. That Saturday night, a board member had had a massive heart attack and had died. And another situation had happened. This church was grieving and broken. And, and here we file in to this very sacred and private time. And it was painful to sit in their pain with them. But then we had this gift, this opportunity to be able to pray with their pastor to pray with an, another one of their pastors eventually because she wasn't there and we went to school together and I was able to connect with her. See, suffering binds us together in community because we know that we don't suffer for our own sakes. So when we, when we push it aside and we don't share we are robbing the body of coming together. You're not going to like this one, but suffering purifies our faith. When we suffer, we begin to really understand what truly matters. It has a way of helping us get our priorities straight. 
silver and gold are refined in the fire. Just like our faith. Because see, here's the thing. When you suffer, it reveals your heart. Have you ever noticed that? And have you ever noticed that when you are suffering, when something bad happens, your first reaction might be, I don't deserve this. Your first reaction might be, you know, I, I'm, I'm too good to know this. Instead of rejoicing. See, Christians in the early centuries consider it a high honor to suffer for the sake of Jesus. I learned something. So there's this thing, and you will know it. It's called the Nicene Creed. And you're thinking, I don't know it, you will, because as soon as I say it to you, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I do know that. But here's what he didn't know. In 325 AD, a group of people gathered together at the Nicene Council. There were 318 delegates attending. Fewer than 12 of them were like whole. Because all of the rest of them had either lost an eye or a hand or a limb because they refused to deny who Jesus was. I did not know that. So these battered and broken men gathered to decide on the triune God. And they came up with this. I want you to picture men torn, limbless, eyeless. And here's what they said. We believe in one God. The Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. All that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and he was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, with the Father and the Son. He is worshipped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and for the life of the world to come. Amen. Without limbs without eyes because they refuse to deny who the Lord is. In Acts 5, the apostles got arrested, thrown in jail for sharing the good news of Jesus. And while they were in the brink, the Lord released them. And in the morning, they were back in the courtyard but the soldiers were sent to find them in the brink and they got there and they're like, well, the guards are still here and the doors are still shut, but where are those disciples? And they discover that they are right back out in the temple courts telling people the good news of Jesus. So the Sanhedrin calls them in and they stand before the Sanhedrin and they are beaten. Scripture says they are flogged. So please just don't assume they were smacked around a little bit. They're beaten and they're bloody. They're in pain. They're limping. They're going to be even more sore tomorrow than they are in this moment. 
And by golly, Luke tells us that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they, count, they were counted worthy of suffering for the sake of Jesus. I don't want to be disliked. I'm working on not being a people pleaser, but I have to tell you that it is not fun when people don't like me because I'm a Christian. It's even harder when Christians don't like me because I say they're sinners. It happens. It's even harder when people no longer want to be my friend because I won't bless certain things in their life. And I cry. And I complain to the Lord a little bit. And I'm, I'm a little bit like Jeremiah. I'm the woe is me pastor. And then I read Luke's words. They were rejoicing, beaten and bloodied. And they were rejoicing because they had the privilege to suffer. When Stephen was killed, when he was martyred for his faith, the gospel exploded. The persecution of the church pushed the gospel out of Jerusalem. It pushed them to the ends of the earth. We have it too easy in Canada, my friends. If we really want to see the church grow, because we seem... I don't, mean, I don't mean just the we, I mean the royal we, the, the Canadian church, the Western church. We seem to be too lazy and too comfortable in our comfort to really get on with the business of God. And now that we're beginning to hear rumblings of a little bit of persecution, instead of rejoicing, we're trying to change it. the best thing that has happened to the church is it's been persecuted. Because it reveals our hearts. Because it forms dare-to-die teams. Because we begin to really understand what really matters, and that four-minute wait in the drive-thru isn't really important. But making sure that you've heard the truth about Jesus even if you never speak to me again, that matters. Because you matter. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. He was also the, uh, the disciple of the apostle John. Just FYI, if you're ever in you know, some quiz about me, John is my favorite of the disciples. He's just my favorite by far. And Polycarp was his disciple. And he was seized by soldiers and marched into a civic arena where he was ordered to swear an oath to the the genius of Caesar and to revile Christ. And he was to declare away with the atheists. Now you need to understand in Polycarp's day, if you did not believe that the Caesar was God, you were an atheist. It was totally backwards. So he was to declare in this civic arena, away with the atheists, referring to the Christians who denied this Caesar is God. Instead, Polycarp said, For 80 and 6 years I've been Christ's servant, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Then he swept his arm around the stadium filled with heathens and said, away with the atheists. And he was burned at the stake in A.D. 55. I don't know your story. I don't know what you carry today. But I can share with you, as I have, I've experienced rejection, the loss of relationships, abuse, slander. I've been misunderstood. I've been lied to. I've been lied about. 
Oh, because I bear the name of my king. And I confess to you that my first response has not been one of rejoicing for the privilege of suffering. But I'm so grateful that the Lord has got me there. Suffering's not over. And I hope to learn that my first response will be to rejoice. If you are suffering today for the sake of the gospel, if you are being rejected, if you are on the outside because you bear the name of Jesus, let me tell you, he is faithful. And that suffering builds something in you. In the hardest moments of my life, in the death of my dad, in the loss of a child during pregnancy, in the sickness of kids, in the loss of relationship, I can tell you that every single moment he has been faithful to me. Every single moment in the darkest seasons of life, his tender presence has been with me. When I have the privilege of suffering for the sake of the gospel, Jesus is closer to me than any other time in my life. When you have the privilege of suffering for the gospel, you will be closer to Jesus than any other time in your life. See, loved ones, we cannot hide from our suffering. Do not bury it. Do not deny it. Embrace it. Joni Erickson Tattis is this. Own your weakness. Take responsibility for it. See it as an ally and not an enemy. Whatever you're suffering today in this season, I want you to take a moment and rejoice. See, the Lord has had me stalled on a thought this week. Why do we prefer sinning over suffering? Listen, I'm talking to the saints of God here. Why? Why do we prefer to sin over suffer? It's because we have a wrong view of suffering. Because the enemy wants us to be blinded to this really sacred place of knowing Jesus. See, he suffered for our sake. And we sang about it this morning. Today, we, we remember those who laid down their lives for us. People who didn't even know our names have laid down their life for our freedom. The one who's always known your name, who picked the time and the place for you to be born, who created you for him and to be with him, knows that there's something sacred in your suffering, knows that when we suffer for his sake, We are the most like him. We are going to go into our time of communion. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back.
I was chatting with my very dear friend, mentor, former teacher. I know you know her and love her. And they will be with us in just a few weeks, and I'm pretty excited about that. But I was chatting with Lynn Coles this week, and we were talking about suffering for the sake of the kingdom. And she, she made this statement. Because, see, sometimes we don't process past suffering well. Sometimes we just become victims to the past. And Lynn said this, don't be a prisoner of the past because it sold you right into your destiny. Don't be a prisoner of the past because it sold you right into your destiny. See, the suffering that you've known is not in vain and it's not lost. In the hands of God, it becomes silver and gold. It becomes this beautiful thing that you get to share with others. See, when we, when we suffer, we identify with Jesus. When we know the pain of suffering, we can enter in to other people's suffering with them. This is the gift of the kingdom of God. To know pain. To know suffering. Because see, one day it's going to be gone. One day. It'll all be over. And there will be no more suffering. There will be no more sorrow there'll be no more sadness and I can't even understand that but what I do know is we have a privilege today today we have the privilege to suffer today we have the privilege of pain today we have the privilege of identifying in the death and resurrection of our Lord who suffered God suffered for you. The disciples rejoiced for the privilege of suffering for Jesus. So this momentary pain that we know, this momentary suffering is nothing but a gift in the hands of God. And as sons and daughters, we've been given these symbols to remember. This special meal that is so sacred and so simple. His body broken. He suffered at our hands for our sake. In this life, we will have trouble. But he says, take heed. I've overcome the world. I've overcome. I've overcome the loss that you carry. I've overcome the rejection you know. I've overcome the darkest place you've been. And we hold the symbol of his broken body. And today we get to declare that as we partake together. Will you partake with me? A new covenant. A new way to be human. 
a new way to live, a new kingdom to be part of, a new perspective on suffering because his blood was poured out for us. And, and when you and I eat the bread and drink this cup, we declare the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we declare in a battle cry that our God is coming back for us. Will you drink with me? So, Father God, we are broken, but not abandoned. We are pressed down, but not destroyed. You walk with us in ways that we can't even understand, and we give you praise and honor and glory. So, Lord, today, as citizens of your kingdom... By the strength of your spirit, we say thank you for the suffering. Thank you for the cost of being your children. Thank you that we get to identify with our king. Lord, and you know I'm a whiner. And I'm not quick to want to suffer. So I ask, Father, that you would, you would help me and you would help us to have your vantage point as we look at our life. Lord, that we would see the privilege that the disciples saw. Lord, that you would help us replace the woe is me with the praise the Lord. So that you will receive all the glory. So that you will receive all of the honor until you come again. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.